0: She just wants to be beautiful, she goes Unnoticed, she knows No limit she craves Attention, she praises An image, she craves to be Sculpted by the sculptor Oh, she don't see The light that's shining Deeper than the eyes can find it Maybe we have made a blind So she tries to cover up the pain Cutter walls away Cause cover girls don't cry After their faces made But there's a hope that's waiting for you In the dark You should know your beauty She says, beauty is pain and there's beauty in everything What's a little bit of hunger? I can go a little while longer She fades away, she don't see her perfect She don't understand, she's worth it Or that beauty goes deeper than the surface, Oh, oh. And to all the girls that's hurting, let me be your mirror
1: That song is amazing, isn't it? When you hear it, it's so energetic and there's a good hook to it and It feels so upbeat, but when you read the lyrics and when you listen to the struggle, it's so amazing how there's so much anguish in that song and the struggle of beauty and hunger and uh, appearance and everything else is all kind of woven together uh, into the topic that we're gonna be diving into today. You've arrived for part number three of a series we're in called Crave. And the subtitle to the series is I Just Can't Say No To. And today we're talking about I Just Can't Say No To my own body but before we dive into that we have just uh, just two things we want to remind you of in fact the first one is a question and that is here's the question where are you going to be this Wednesday night here. excellent all the people down here said here all the people up there and over there uh, hopefully you're going to join these guys and coming to uh, Wednesday night here at the JPE right in this room at 7 p.m we are going to have a fantastic night together. Uh, we've been taking our midweeks to theme out uh, through the eyes of, and then we pick a Bible character through the eyes of Daniel. We already did through the eyes of Job. And then uh, Wednesday, we're going to be doing through the eyes of Stephen in the Bible and talk about what that means. And it's going to be a great time. We have a great guest speaker lined up. Uh, it's me. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the mess message will be good. I was just kidding, making a joke. But uh, but But Aaron's going to be leading us in worship. We're Super excited about that. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you this Wednesday. And then here's the last one. The last one is for the men in the room. We have decided to get the men together to eat a bunch of food, and so we appropriately called it Pig Out. Somebody texted me and said, isn't it weird that we're talking about the body today and we have an event that we're promoting... Called Pig Out. Yes, it is weird, but uh, we are doing Bad Brad's barbecue, uh, uh, and then we're going to have a fantastic uh, prize because there's a chili cook-off. Uh, So last year, if you entered and you felt like you got gypped, uh, Eddie, then make your uh, uh, chili and bring it there. I'm telling you, all the information is in the Welcome Center, in the lobby, uh, or you can go online and register. It does require all of that. Uh, We had, what, a couple hundred men or somewhere around there last time. I'm telling you, it's going to be even better this time. Uh, A lot of games, a lot of great times to connect with guys. please. Uh, considered that in a few weeks as well, okay? Well, we're going to dive into this day, and I want you to do one thing for me. And I want you to please be open to... Uh, believing that maybe today is for all of us in this room. Uh, I don't want you to walk in through the doors thinking that today of all days is maybe a topic that's reserved for not me. Like that's somebody that I know, somebody I know that struggles with this area. And And I want you to be open to the idea that maybe to some degree, all of us have feelings of inadequacy, and they are woven together and they're attached to our identity, they're attached to our faith and our actions and what we believe and the choices that we make as we dive into this together. So as we do, I'd love for you to take a moment to go ahead and stand up and say hi to the people around you here this morning.
2: I'm on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. I watch YouTube videos. I read self-help books. How to be beautiful at every age. Oh, how to feel great. How to be a healthier you. All the newest, smartest, bestest, greatest ways to take care of yourself. Uh Uh-huh. How to hide your hips. Oh yeah. How to hide your wrinkles i died yourself. <laughs> yeah. How to feel great all the time. Yes. All the wise wisdom of the world. Oh, I am telling you, it doesn't get any better than all the knowledge that's there. Yes, there is a way to drop 10 pounds in two days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> drop 10 pounds in... One day. Drop 10 pounds in two hours. Bam. Just saying. (laughs) How to curb your cravings. Uh Uh-huh. That's a good one. How to tell a good carb from a bad carb. Wise. How to eat chocolate. And still lose weight. (sighs) Ah. Well, I have figured out how to have fuller lips. Uh Uh-huh. Right there. (laughs) Better eyes. Right there. Mm. Better surgery. Better workouts. A better life. Because I have the right lip gloss. Uh... Oh, will it ever not matter that I'm too fat, too skinny, uh, have crow's feet, hmm Laugh lines. Yeah, furrowed brow. Age spots. Oh, yeah. How about those wide hips? Oh. <laughs> uh, how yeah. do you get the body of a 20-something- When you're a 40-something. Okay, doesn't that sound ridiculous? I mean, how do you get that body? Without workouts, liposuction, workouts, Spanx, liposuction, workouts, workouts, eye work, cheek work, lip work. (laughs) Work, any work. (sighs) Why can't I sag, sink, or shrink? That's what my body wants to do. Why can't my fat pants be my regular pants? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When will I hear you say that who I am is enough? Quite enough without all this. Will I ever hear you say that? Is that possible? Didn't get me the man, didn't get me the job, didn't make me happy, didn't get me self-esteem, self-worth, self-anything. It didn't get me what I wanted, didn't get me what I needed. It didn't get me more attention, more love, more hope, more Just see me as enough. Will I ever hear you say that? Will I ever see me as enough? Why can't a forty something look like a forty something? Why can't I sag, sink, or shrink if that's what my body wants to do? Why can't I?
1: it's a really powerful and even haunting line. Well, I mean, there's a lot of them in there, but the one that sticks out to me is she said, will you ever see me as enough? She said, will I ever hear that from you? And then she asked the question, she said, when will I see myself as enough? I got to be honest with you, that's pretty deep. Uh, Maybe you didn't walk in here expecting to think about those things in your own life, but i got, I got to tell you, I can't even tell you the number of categories that bleeds over into my life. I've, I've thought that way about, you know, me at work. I've thought, am I ever going to be enough at work? You know, I've thought that at home. Am I ever going to be enough as a parent? You know, as a husband? Am I ever going to be enough in so many different categories as a pastor? And do you know what? If I'm honest with myself, I've thought, you know, that way about myself my appearance, uh, what people thought of me, what I thought of me. As we dive into this topic together, uh, let's just be willing to listen and just be willing to say, are there answers? You know, can God's word possibly present, if not a direct solution, at least pointing to a direction in which I could take a single step? Would you pray with me as we dive into this together? Father, we thank you for this day and we ask your richest blessings on our time together. Lord, I, Lord, we, I have no idea what anybody uh, is going through or maybe whatever they're struggling with, which may have nothing to do with today's topic. But Father, I pray that you would help us all to hear directly from you, that you would meet us where we are and that you would demonstrate yourself to us in a very real and powerful way. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, this entire series is built around the word crave. And the word crave is, uh, you know, it's it's also a synonym for an appetite or a desire, which basically means that a craving in itself, these are the type of cravings that have the power to control our lives. A craving is never fully nor finally satisfied. And a craving only knows one word, which is more. And even though cravings are neutral, when they are out of balance or when they're never satisfied, they have the power to over. Come us. And, and we our lives can be thrown out of, out of whack. And we talked about in week number one, how we said, I just can't say no to your approval. That's a huge message right there. Last week we talked about, I can't say no to the bottle or controlled substances. I encourage you, go online and watch that one. Uh, next week we're talking about, I can't say no to digital devices. And wow, there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. But today it's, I just can't say no to my body. This isn't a new struggle, by the way, dealing with cravings and wanting to do better and seeming like you're overcome with a power that that you're helpless against. This is not a new idea. Thousands of years ago in the ancient manuscripts of the Bible, the apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Romans chapter seven. This is an abbreviated version of what we unpacked in week one, but let me read this to you. This is the struggle. Paul says this, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. How many of you already can relate to what he's saying? Instead, I do what I hate. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Then he says a statement, Oh, what a miserable person I am. And if you're, if you're, if you're living under the power of a craving that you can't control, then, then you're already right there with Paul. And then he asks a very important question. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, exclamation point. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the reason why we shared this all three weeks and we'll share it again next week is because that's what Paul is saying. Believe it or not, the answer is found in Jesus. And you're like, well, you don't understand. Like I, let me try to apply wisdom and principles and maybe bypass the Jesus part. And Paul is saying, no, listen, you, you, you're missing it. The answer truly is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we're going to dive into that together. As we look at this topic, uh, we're going to actually look at a video of Dave Wilson, our Orient pastor, sat down with psychologist and, and professional uh, teacher and consultant. I mean, his, his resume is so long. Uh, Jack Wilson, uh, who's, who's been around Kensington for decades. While we're watching this, we're going to take a moment and receive our offering as well. As the ushers are coming down, I just want to say this, listen, if you're visiting here today, uh, don't sweat this moment. You can give if you'd like, but it's not really designed for you. It's designed for people who consider Kensington their place of worship. And we we just say thank you for giving because that's what God's Word says for us to do. And it's a big part of our faith walk. It's a big part of our lives. God says we're supposed to give back to what he's blessed us with and then he will, uh, you know, bless us in return. And, and that's always hard to do. So we're always careful to say thank you for trusting us in our leadership. Thank you for trusting uh, uh, God's word and what it says about this principle and the way to live like this. So anyway, as the offering is passing and as you're, uh, you know, preparing to do that, listen to Jack as he uh, gives us his life experience and what he knows about this topic of the body.
3: One of the uh, cravings we're going to talk about in the series is the body. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, again, a real tension because you want to take care of your body. Mm -hmm. It can become something that gets out of control, Mm -hmm. either with fitness or eating, overeating, Mm -hmm. under. So talk about that a little bit. When does the body become a danger? Well, the body is... Two pieces to it, as I I understand the question. One is reality, and the other one is not reality. Okay, when we're in a circumstance or situation as we are in our culture with an absolute pandemic uh, of obesity uh, and all the diseases that go with obesity that's something that we have to be aware of and you know and, and 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 alert and we have to have good nutrition we have to have exercise i have so many people over the years who have who've come to me about you know weight issues you know how can i lose weight how can i control my weight you know and i'm i'm really a person who believes that the simple and easy are not synonyms never have been never will be but when someone says that to me i you know, I, I give a a simple response uh, eat less, exercise more. Um, And then you'll have the probability that you'll have, you know, less of an, of an issue, you know, with controlling your weight. And that's really actually research-based. It's not just, you know, something that i that I throw out there. Um, but just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy because there are all those other variables in there in terms of, of cravings and emotional balance in our lives and you know, all, the, all the kinds of things that are made available to us. It is such a natural thing for that to develop into a craving. And then for many, many people, food becomes an addiction. Uh, and there are two kinds of addictions, Dave. Uh, there's a substance addiction and a process addiction. Eating is a real difficult one because it's both a process addiction and a physical addiction for, for many people. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a tough one. That's why we see so many people who struggle with it and we have to have empathy and care and concern for them. And uh, just because I can almost in a cavalier sense say... Uh, Uh, eat less, exercise more, that doesn't mean that it's easy to do it just because it's simple. Yeah. And a physical craving or addiction, they're different, but how? The process addiction um, in its purest sense, most addictions are a combination, of course, but the process addiction in its purest sense doesn't have a physical part to it. Okay. And I'm going to go back to the body image, uh, Im- body and image thing. You know, that's a process addiction in many ways, whether we're talking about all the way at the extreme you know, of, of anorexia or whether we're talking about uh, people being obsessed about having the perfect body. Culture sets up norms, you know, and the cultural norm that has been set up uh, for us uh, is lean, six-pack, um, no bulges, you know, all of those kinds of things. And that just isn't realistic. Right. So in the process of attempting to get there and uh, in, in trying to get as close to that as we can, we, we can become obsessed with exercise and we can become obsessed with controlling food. And that is the process that we have become addicted to. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So the physical addiction then is actually... Something it can actually be the food. The physical the, You can be physically addicted you know, to, to food because it triggers uh, all kinds of different kinds of things. You know, some of us are very, very sensitive to our palate. We get great pleasure from eating certain kinds of foods prepared in certain kinds of ways. Um, and others of us uh, become uh, addicted to the physiological response that we get. Uh, and then others of us get physiologically addicted to never feeling full. Uh, and again, that's a, that's a physiological and, you know, and psychological thing.
1: You know, uh, Jack's comment, the strongest comment that uh, I try to hang on to is he said that uh, simple and easy are not synonyms. Because sometimes it can seem simple, but certainly it's not easy. Um, He also said, uh, you know, what he said about that was he said, exercise more, eat less. Well, you know, maybe you uh, noticed, maybe you haven't. I'm sure that most of you by far don't care. But I'm actually down now and uh, on on the weight scale. And and I have actually uh, demonstrated over the past seven years that I can go up and down pretty good, right? I mean, I can certainly go up in a heartbeat. Uh, You know, and here's the thing that I realized about myself is that even though the last seven years I've been up and I've been down, I've been up and I've been down, uh, I realized that I, I, I have very little power over stress in my life. So if you ever see me and I'm the larger version of myself, Uh, And by the way, the bad part is I do that in front of you. It's so embarrassing publicly. But but like when I'm the larger version of myself, I guarantee you that is a time of stress in my life. And even though that I figured that out and I thought, well, you know, hey, now that I know that like stress equals that in my life, now I can have knowledge to overcome it. What I've discovered is I don't have the power to do that like it, it actually is really bad I remember a few years ago like maybe three or four years ago I was actually at a season of life where I was actually uh, thinning out and I remember being back there saying hi to somebody just shaking hands and saying good morning to everybody and there was a couple that came in didn't recognize them uh, they hadn't been to church in months and months I don't even remember who they were but I remember the lady said oh we haven't been here in months and months she goes but I notice you're the skinnier version of yourself Oh, okay and I was like thank you all right <laughs> thank you very much for reminding me that I am just a whatever so so the point is is that it's like it's a struggle so uh, I haven't touched a single thing of sugar uh, like for since mid-october I managed to lose a little bit of weight through the holidays which is hard so I actually took a picture of myself uh, back in October here's here's me with my shirt off at back in October I was a sumo wrestler. I thought maybe I would, you know, go ahead and do that. Well, since then, I've, I've lost some weight. And so yesterday, I stood by a shed, and I took a picture with my shirt off. Just to let you know, this is me now today. And, um, yeah, and so, I mean, that's why I have, you know, like when I, when I do baptism in a few weeks, that's why I'll keep my shirt on, because I wouldn't want anybody to stumble. But... Um, <laughs> But, here, but the reality is, is that, listen, I took these, this information from health and fitness websites that say that one out of five men and two out of five women would actually trade, trade five years of their life to achieve their weight loss goals. Uh, did you know that the diet industry has sales of $40 billion every year? Over 45 million Americans have a gym membership up 25% in recent years years did you know that young girls are more afraid of becoming fat and according to surveys they're more afraid of becoming fat than they are of nuclear war cancer or losing their parents you know that 80 percent of 10 year olds have tried dieting isn't it interesting let me ask you this question when you woke up this morning and looked in the mirror uh, men before you shaved women before you put your makeup on before you jumped in the shower when you woke up this morning and looked in the mirror did you like what you saw Right? Did you like what you saw? And you know what's amazing is, even the most beautiful people in the world, people who other people would say, man, you're beautiful. Even they would attest that when they wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror, they don't like what they see. A mirror is a funny thing, isn't it? And, and people who are so, they're the beautiful people of the world, they say, I don't like what I see. It's amazing. There, there's the side of the mirror where you can see your reflection, but then there's that other side, it's the zoom inside, right? You know what I'm talking about? When you look here and then you turn it, you're like, ah, because it's like, <laughs> what is going on here, right? And it, it magnifies every flaw of your life. Let me ask you a question. What's wrong with us that the majority of every human being, when they look and zoom in, they don't like what they see? So who's the blame for that? And I got to tell you, I blame one person. I blame her, (laughs) right? Did you know that Barbie was the very first commercial in the history of television to market their image toward kids and not toward adults? Did you know that? It was the first toy that said, hey, kids. And actually, like, could you imagine in the early 1950s watching the first Barbie commercial in black and white and realizing they're not marketing toward the people spending the money? right? Like, hey, why aren't you saying, hey, parents, buy this for your kids. They chose the tactic of of, of marketing to the kids. So then the kids are like, mommy, daddy, buy me Barbie. And then, of course, every single toy company realized how powerful this is, right? Well, with Barbie, especially, they pushed image and beauty and everything else. And so Barbie, I don't know if you know this or not, they've had to adjust the dimensions of Barbie because of the pressure that they have gotten. People have said it puts too much pressure on kids. Did you know, and this this Barbie is adjusted but you know the original figure in size and proportions of the original Barbie uh, experts figured out that if Barbie were life size she would be six foot one inches and weigh only a hundred pounds and her measurements would be get this 39, 18, 34. 39, 18, and 34. So Barbie has really gone a long way. So I went last night to, to Walmart to buy this Barbie because I have two girls who are past the Barbie stage. My oldest daughter today is 24 years old, which means I'm, like I had her when I was like five, but um, but I was buying the Barbie, right? They had dozens of Barbies over the years. But as I was passing the magazine racks, I just looked over and I just grabbed just a few magazines that uh, that I just passed by. I'm like, this is amazing. I mean, if you just, like, we walk past it every day. This one says, uh, strong and sexy, you know, flat abs, killer legs, whatever. And then it says this, no more cravings. That's why I picked it up. No more cravings. Wow, wouldn't that be nice? No more cravings. And look at this one, with men. Like, look, muscle fitness, this guy, I don't know if that's supposed to inspire me or not, but when I look at this, I feel like a bucket of junk. (laughs) I look at that, I'm just like, there's no hope for me. Like, what are you trying to do to me right here? Because this is awful. I feel like garbage when I look at you. And then this one right here, it says, it says flat abs in 28 days. Can you imagine flat abs in 28 days? Which is amazing because I can't get it right in 28 years. So you look at, you look at all these and you're like, man, that's just, that's just three of the dozens of magazines that I, that I walked by that I picked up. You know what's amazing is that we are bombarded and we don't even realize it. Do you know that uh, uh, supermodel websites who employ and advertise supermodels admit willingly that only 7% of the women in the world look like the ones they put on billboards? Only 7%. And many of you know that it's all airbrushed and their faces are taken in, their necks are stretched, and that, you know, you've seen those commercials where, where the manipulation is Unbelievable. Look what the Bible says about you and how you were created. Look at Psalm chapter 139. God says that he is the author and designer of you. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being, David says. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you look in the mirror and think to yourself, I feel fearfully and wonderfully made? I mean, you probably are f- feel fearful, right, of a lot of things. But do you think that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Lord, your works are, are, are wonderful and because you have made me. That's what Jesus says about us. And yet we rarely feel that way about ourselves. There's a couple different categories of extremes that we're going to dive into. Here's the first one. And it's the category of extreme body. And what I mean by that is uh, you can gravitate toward being a worshiper or a neglector. A worshiper is someone who, you know, uh, just spends all their time and energy, you know, um, on their body for image sake. Now, you don't consider yourself extreme. You may be a fit nut or a fitness nut, right? But you're a fitness nut, but you don't consider yourself an extreme fitness nut because you know somebody who's more extreme. Like You take a whole handful of vitamins every day, but you know somebody who takes two handful of vitamins a day, which means like you would say, hey, I'm balanced. And everybody else would say you're extreme. You're like, no, no, no. I know plenty of people that are more extreme. Now, most of us aren't fully extreme. We consider ourselves one category or the other, but listen. We have a tendency to lean one way or the other. So you, you you probably find yourself in this category, or maybe you're in the category of a neglector. A neglector's motto in life is "I ought to, I ought to, I ought to." Maybe tomorrow, you know, they just get you know. A neglector spends their life at least one season of their life with either a treadmill or a stairmaster as a part of like a clothes rack. It doubles as a clothes rack in their house, right? A neglector is the one who says, "Yeah, I know, I know, I know," and they think to themselves, "I'm just going to enjoy life because I just can't seem to get it right." And and even though that you wouldn't consider yourself a major extreme neglector because you're like, I know people that are worse than me, right? They're, They're worse than me, so I'm not an extreme person. I may be over here a little bit. The bottom line is most of us are in between, but we do have a tendency to lean one way or the other. Now, how many of you would be willing to admit, you're like, I may not be an extreme person, but I probably lean more toward probably faulting on the worshiping side and maybe spend a little bit too much time, right? But I'm willing to admit I'm you know, not too far, but I'm slightly in this category. Anybody want to admit that in church today? All right, very good. So be honest, right? How many of you would be willing to admit and you say, oh, I may not be way far down this way, but I know if I lie in church, I go to double hell. So <laughs> so I, I have a tendency maybe to lean more toward the neglecter side of things. Anybody willing to admit that as well? Okay. Uh, it's, listen, the, the worshiper uh, struggles with pride, Okay? The neglector struggles with guilt. The pride is, is that man, I just got to keep on going. I look so great. And they spend time and energy and money on clothes, which kind of weaves into approval and everything else. In fact, we'll even go as far as to have embarrassing plastic surgery. In fact, raise your hand if you've ever had embarrassing plastic surgery. No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. I know, you freaked out for a minute. You're like, can they tell? Right? It's... It's okay. It's not a sin. But you know what? The bottom line is, is we can let it control us. It can be common to the area of, of worshiping. And so a neglector struggles with guilt. And, and we struggle with guilt so much that we don't even want to hang around worshipers because they make us feel so bad. We don't even want to deal with it. Like, they're going to bring it up again. I don't even want to go to a restaurant with them because they're going to order, like, everything on the side. You know, like, no, I don't even want to, I don't even want to be with those guys. And so we struggle with guilt. And, and so the bottom line is, is, um, Uh, There's a truth, there's a truth that'll take away both parties, okay? There's a truth that once you learn and understand, it'll take away the fear on both sides. And here's the truth, ready? The truth is that gravity wins and everybody dies, okay? (laughs) Just want to write that down, so I just want to take care of it all right now. Gravity wins and everybody dies. No, here's the real truth. The real truth is this, is that God has a purpose for your body, Believe it or not, that that you are a chosen vessel, the Bible says, and a large part of, of, of God, uh, you know, having you fulfill his will is to actually have a healthy balance and maintenance of your body. Paul says that our body are like a temple. Our bodies are a temple which house the Holy Spirit. We should start to look at them not only physical, but also sacred. And also the Bible says that we are bought with a price, that Jesus Christ died for us and so that our bodies are not even our own, but that certainly we should treat them the right way because they uh, help us fulfill the eternal uh, purpose. So look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Paul says this, "...don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win." All athletes are disciplined in their training and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So here's Paul, he's taking discipline and training of the physical and he's trying to turn it into the same sort of care uh, with the eternal. And he says, so I run with purpose in every step. He's talking about physically. I am not, I'm, I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching uh, to others, I myself might be disqualified. And Paul does a brilliant job of talking about being very intentional with your body to obtain things that won't last. And then really just being intentional about your body, training it to do what it should to actually accomplish that which will last. To understand that God has a purpose for our bodies and that taking care of them is exactly what you and I need to understand. It, it, it connects everything that we do with our bodies, connects with the longevity of accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish in this life. Here's the second category, is extreme food. And what I mean by that is an overeater versus an undereater. Eating disorders are a silent addiction hidden beyond a secrecy of shame. And um, an estimated 80 million Americans su- suffer with food disorders such as Anorexia, bulimia, or obesity. 80 million Americans. Anorexia, by the way, is defined on their health website as this. Willful starvation and excessive exercise to obtain perfect thinness. Anorexics believe that if they can control their weight, they'll also gain control other, uh, over other parts of their lives. That's, that's according to their website, their analogy and everything. So bulimia is defined this way. Uncontrollable eating Followed by purging, either by vomiting, laxatives, or other methods, bulimics purge physically in an attempt to purge unacceptable feelings, such as anger, loneliness, and depression. Now, obesity is compulsive overeating in an attempt to fill an emotional void. Listen to that, an emotional void, which, by the way, stress is an emotion for me. Compulsive overeating is an attempt to fill an emotional void. Overeaters use food to tranquilize their feelings, especially feelings of anger. And like other addictions, it's a family matter. And that the number one response to these three uh, eating disorders is denial right? Because they would say, well, I may be in this category a little bit, but there's other people that are worse than me. And you're right. But the answer is that community would surround them to confront the, 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 the one who's abusing uh, uh, the food or, or the lack of it. And the cure of an eating disorder involves community uh, to give emotional support and to push them in the right direction. Because listen, both the overeater and the undereater have a vicious cycle of depression, self-image and identity. That's the whole thing, right? It's the addiction cycle. The more I eat, the more I feel depressed and the more I feel depressed, the more I eat or whatever it is. And so the bottom line is, is you and I can respond in all sorts of ways and you could say, well, hey, listen, hey, thank you for your categories, worshiping, neglectors, overeaters, under eaters, but it's my body, it's my choice and I could do what I want to do with it. Well, believe it or not, uh, those feelings and that response was similar to the same response of the church in Corinth thousands of years ago. Look how Paul addresses this response to this attitude. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, some of you say we can do anything we want to, but I tell you that not everything is good for us. Now, if you grew up in a conservative church, you might have heard it read this way. All things, uh, maybe all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Right? In other words, like it's not a sin necessarily to do these things. So all things are lawful according to God's word, but not all things are beneficial. That's what Paul is saying. Just because you can get away with it or build a case that it's not a sin or anything else does not mean we should not address that not all things are beneficial or good for us. So I refuse to let anything have power over me. Now, isn't that a great phrase? In fact, let's say just that phrase together. So I refuse to let anything have power over me. That's an incredible phrase. He goes on and says, you also say food is meant for our bodies and bodies are meant for food. But I tell you that God will destroy them both. And there's Paul once again. It's kind of like that whole like gravity wins and everybody dies kind of comment. He's like, but guess what? Your bodies will be gone one day. Food will not be an issue one day. So here's the eternal perspective. We are not supposed to do indecent things with our bodies. We are to use them for, here's the eternal, <clears throat> we are to use them for the Lord who is in charge of. Our bodies. So the next time you say, it's my body, it's my choice, get off me, I can do with it what I want, Paul addresses it and says, no, you don't understand, God created you, he's the author of you, and he died on a cross to pay for and purchase you, and that your body is a house of the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is the next verse, drop down to verse number 19. Paul continues and says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Uh, One of our biggest action steps is celebrate recovery on Monday nights uh, at the Troy campus or... Tuesday nights at the Orion campus which is about a mile north of the palace so 19 and John R on Mondays a mile north of the palace on Tuesdays and by the way the majority of all people that go to celebrate recovery they don't struggle with alcoholism or substance addiction in fact that's actually a pretty low percentage these are people who struggle with the majority of them is like approval issues or you know self image issues or things that they want to talk about and one of the most courageous things that you could ever do i promise you is to have enough courage to walk in and just say you know it be great to connect with other people because without community, you and I don't have a prayer of overcoming this by ourselves. Paul says it. Hey, hey, listen, every other piece of literature outside of God's Word, just remove the faith component completely, and every other piece of literature will tell you you need others for support, for connection, <clears throat> regardless of how embarrassing it is, regardless of how much we don't want to admit it. It takes a lot of strength to admit these things. And that's the reason why we're about to hear from Kelsey Stefko. Come on up, Kelsey. As she is willing to share her courageous story with you, would you give her a round of applause as she comes up? Thank you. Um, Kelsey is an intern at Kensington, and um, she sent me her story on email, and I just said, you know what? Uh, first of all, thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I'd love for you to just read a portion of uh, your story And just share uh, it with us.
4: Um, Yeah, so I'm going to read past about my 8th grade year, but I had struggled with my weight until then as well. Um, At this point in my life, the only thing that was important to me was staying popular. I started making poor choices. I would have done anything to fit in. Looks were so extremely important, especially since I wasn't great at school. I really felt like being beautiful was my worth. 8th grade was overall the worst year of my life. My grandma was passing, and the pressure to fit in became overwhelming. Naturally, I started to put on a little weight, but the expectation was to be a size zero, and it wasn't long before a friend let me know I was getting fat. And just like that, something switched to my brain. It was time to lose weight. I knew it worked last time. I just needed to start exercising more and eating less. It started out really innocent, just trying to lose a little weight, but the calories kept going down until I could go days without eating. It wasn't long before my five foot four frame weighed less than 80 pounds. I was afraid to gain weight, I was so afraid to gain weight, I couldn't even drink water. My hair started to fall out, and I was so cold all the time. My lips were permanently blue. I could feel myself dying. I could feel my organs shutting down. My mom later told me she would creep into my room at night to make sure I was still breathing. I would go see family members, and they would just cry when they saw me. Things kept getting worse, and eventually I would go weeks without eating. One day, I came home and collapsed from being so malnourished. I went to the doctor, and they told me I was going to die. They were actually shocked I was still living. But in that moment, I would have rather died than gain any weight back. I remember going home that night, ready to let death take its toll. I was ready to go, and I felt like I had nothing to lose. And that was the first time God ever spoke to me. It was simple and beautiful, and I trusted him. He told me I was going to get better, and things were going to be okay. The next day was the first time I ate a full plate of food in nine months. I slowly put on weight and regained my strength. I started to get really hungry for Jesus, so I started to do things that I thought Christians might do, like reading the Bible and being a better person. I made a sort of deal with Jesus and told him I would stay single until he was ready to give me someone. Two and a half years later, I met my now husband, who was so on fire for Jesus. Right away, I knew he was a gift for me from him. He took me to Kensington, and I knew I belonged here. I can happily say I right, have been recovered from anorexia for eight years which is unheard of because most people struggle with this illness for most of their life. Unfortunately, there are permanent consequences I'll always have to live with. My hair is thin and will never be what it once was. My teeth are damaged. I will never get back the time that passed in high school. Me and my husband are even having fertility issues, and I'll never know if they were caused by my past. Now I know I was hungry for so much more than food. I was hungry for something no one could give me. I was hungry to be valued. And despite my weight, God loves me. He loves me because he made me and even more because he died for me. I no longer look at my body as fat and skin and imperfections, but as a vessel he created to get me through this life. We must treat our bodies like temples because they are not our own. They belong to the Holy Spirit.
1: it 's so emotional for me because I have two daughters and i and i spend I spent so much of my life talking with teenagers and still to this day love talking with uh, middle school and high school students and to even th- to even think that anybody would feel that way so uh, let me let me or even believe that so let me ask you this to the person here who is uh, maybe not convinced that they need help, that others around them may say, hey, this is a concern for you. How would you encourage them?
4: Yeah, just try and seek help from somebody you trust. Um, know that God is with you in your pain and Kensington Celebrate Recovery Group is a great group to get involved with.
1: Yeah, And you go there now, right? I
4: do. I'm actually in a small group and it's a great, you can just be yourself.
1: Awesome. Hey, give Kelsey a huge round of applause. Would you please? Thank you, Kelsey. Uh, The last category is a bigger category. It's the category that Kelsey mentioned at the end of her talk. She said, I know now that I was craving so much more than just, you know, uh, uh, food or wanting to look good. It went a lot deeper than that. And so this third category is extreme cravings. And I'm saying never enough versus satisfaction. Never enough, meaning that they, the cravings in our lives run so deep, we try to fill a, a, a need by these cravings, right? So we do things because we have a deficiency. There's a need and it'll never be enough to satisfy versus the other extreme is finally realizing that Jesus Christ is all you need. That 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 every need that we have, whether we know it or not, that as we dig a little bit deeper, we understand that, man, I finally arrived knowing that Jesus is really the answer of what I was looking for. And so Jesus himself paints this picture in the most brilliant and beautiful way. Before I read this story, I want to give you a quote by Blaise Pascal, a French physicist who said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it could never be filled by any created thing. It could only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 6, verse number 29. Jesus answered and he said, I tell you the truth. And you remember, I said this before, whenever Jesus reserved the phrase, he only reserved it for massive truths. He'd say, verily I say to you, or I tell you the truth. And it was only reserved for big statements. And he said to the crowd that was following him, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. What Jesus was saying is, is that you're following me, you're praising me, you're listening to all my teachings, but I look beyond everything. And I see the only reason why you're here is because I fed you with loaves and fishes. He's literally saying, you're following me because you're hungry. You have a physical craving and that's your true motivation for being here. So he's really pointing out this massive truth. And then he goes on and says this, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you here's what he's saying he's saying you realize that your craving for food is temporary it spoils it goes away it only lasts for a short time don't work don't follow me don't, don't come to me saying that you love me and, and your main motivation is for something temporary come to me for the food that endures eternally and he's making the comparison that this food or this nourishment is an eternal nourishment that it can only come from him he says for the son of man which is himself will Satisfy. so in a brilliant way jesus is getting at this craving and then he says this they asked him they said what must we do uh, uh, to do the works of god that, that god requires and jesus answered the work of god is this to believe in the one he has sent our heavenly father has sent jesus christ believe in me is what he's saying that's the only thing you have to do And then look at, skip down to verse number 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never grow hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that can fulfill your greatest need spiritually and emotionally. You know that next week we're going to do this thing called Crave Tokens, where we're going to ask you to respond next week at the end of the message to come forward and drop some sort of a, a symbol or a token on the stage. It could be a, a vodka bottle, you know, filled with vodka if you wanted, or controlled substance, a drug, and say, I'm done with this, you know, in response to last week. In response to the first week, it could be something on approval. It could be an article of clothing. It could be a mirror. It could be anything. A Crave Token symbolizes you saying... I'm done. And just like we said out loud together, I'm not going to let any power have power over me. I refuse to let any power overcome me. And through the strength and the power of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you do have the power to live in victory. And there's something so, I don't know, uh, something so... uh, experiential about saying, I'm leaving this token. And so for many of you, maybe you'll just want to write something down. You'll say, well, I can't leave a, you know, a symbol of something, but I could write a word down. I'll leave it on the stage. And you're going to take with you a wooden token that says uh, day number one. And you're going to get a token that actually says, for 30 days, I'm going to walk away from this craving. And I'm going to get a token that says, I've achieved day one. And so next week I want you to come prepared to bring something up uh, if, if it's digital but next week we talk about digital maybe it's a, a, a case for your iPhone 10 or if you want to leave your iPhone 10 we'll, we'll sell that and make money <laughs> whatever it is but I want you to bring it okay this last uh, this last illustration that I have for you is this I have a, a food a food table right here now uh, I went through the drive-through this morning and I got a Big Mac and some fries Now, have you know that I haven't eaten fast food since mid-October, and I just dreamt all night about actually eating this French fry in front of you? And here's the point: the point is, is that uh, unless you unless you actually ingest something, you can't necessarily do something about it. Here's my illustration. Okay, you can hear this message, but unless you actually, you know, ingest it inside your heart. Okay, in this case, right, implement it in your life, it won't become a part of you. When I'm I'm about to eat this fry. And I'm telling you, when I do, it's going to actually become a part of me. It's going to become a part of my skin, my fingernails. It's going to become a part of who I am. And here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> mm. Okay. So that's fast food. Now, these, these, these are actually, are my, are my, um, this is my weak spot right here. This is double stuffed. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> double stuffed Oreos. It's just wonderful over here for a lot of you. You're like chocolate. I gotta have the peanut kind, you know, but peanut M&Ms are just unbelievable. Go to movies, you know, all of a sudden you're like the bag's gone. What are you talking about? It's just through the previews. And so in the midst of all this, okay, there's only one clear option, isn't there? Right. And it's just apple, but it's not just any apple. It's a honey crisp apple. And I got to tell you, if you've ever, I know they're like a dollar an apple worth every single cent. Here's, here's, here's the illustration I'm making here. It is so clear as to what the better option is. And even though you're like, but this is so much better on my taste buds, my palate, right? Like, here's what, here's what I'd love. I'd love for them to package it and say, this is how you'll feel. Wouldn't it be great to have a feel meter on the, on the, on the package? Eat this stuff, feel like crapola. <laughs> Eat this stuff, you're going to feel fantastic. The difference between the two, regardless of how much we want this, the difference between the two is not even a comparison, isn't it? That's how that's how Jesus was trying to explain how going to him to meet our deepest cravings doesn't even compare to the futile pursuit of cravings in trying to satisfy them another way. And so let me let me read you one last part of a verse. In verse number 51, Jesus says, The one who feeds on me will live because of me. Right? So in other words, we need to feed on Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And when we do, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Oh, that's good. I Christmas. like a meal. So listen, here's what I want... I didn't think this through. (laughs) Hang on. Okay. All right. Here's what I want you to believe. I want you to believe that maybe, maybe if today your life can't be radically changed or maybe you can't solve the problem today, but maybe a step in the right direction toward either a Celebrate Recovery or maybe it's a small group, maybe it's a confession time, maybe it's a conversation or maybe it's a prayer. Or maybe it's a crave token. Maybe it's a trial and saying for 30 days, I'm going to try it and let's just see how strong this stuff really is. Whatever step it is that God is asking you to take, I'm asking you to dare to believe that it will work. And why not? Why not believe that today is the day that your life changed through the power of God? Why not right now, January 21st, 2018, us look back 10 years down the road and say, just like Kelsey's story and say, I have been given victory through Jesus Christ. Right? Why not today? So, so let's, let's, let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today and we ask that you would help us to respond to you, whatever direction you want us to step in, I pray that we would have the courage to take that step. Father, I thank you for your truths. I thank you, Lord, for your word, which identifies with our very thoughts, our very feelings, our very struggles, and yet points to the same solution. So, Father, I pray that we would run to you, that we would never look back, that we would never go back to where we once were, And when these things take place, we'll give you the credit and the honor and the glory. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Ushers are going to come down right now, and they're going to pass out communion. And you're going to be receiving both elements, both the bread and the cup. And I'm going to invite you not to take it right away, but to literally hang on to each element, both at the same time. And here's why. Because during this next song, as we celebrate and sing about never going back, Um, that you would take these elements uh, during this next song as you are ready. Now, before you decide to uh, uh, tune me out, I got to tell you something that's the most important thing for you to hear about communion. When Jesus established communion, he actually said in in the upper room as he broke the bread, he said he talked about this symbolizing that he was going to break his body on the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. When he said, when he poured the cup, he said, he talked about how this symbolizes the spilling of his blood on a cross for you. Understanding the reason why we're doing communion, number one, is because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Think about that as you take the bread and understand that only Jesus can give us what we need. But also, Jesus says, as you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. The only reason why you and I have... Uh, any type of hope of overcoming any craving is because Jesus Christ died on a cross and he paid for your sin and mine completely, fully, and finally. The, The sacrifice on the cross paid for every craving or every sin or every bad desire that you will ever have in the rest of your life. Jesus said, through this sacrifice, you can be made whole. And so as we take the bread, and again, not now, but when, during this song, when we take the bread and drink of the cup, we're doing this in remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As we sing together that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we're children of God and we will not go back to the power that tries to control us.
5: Faithful no matter how far I you lead me home. You extend your love. your your father and the orphan and you say I'm your own. I never am alone. I never am alone, you found me, I never am alone, I never am alone, you found me, and I made up my mind. I'm never going back Cause I'm no longer A slave to fear I am a child of God And I'm no longer A slave to fear I am a child of God I just want to invite you to stand in this moment as we get ready to sing because there's something that when we sing out, it aligns our hearts with the truth of what God is doing in our lives yeah. Sing You Unravel
0: You unravel me with a message You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone I'm no longer Chosen me, love has called
6: my name. I've been born again to your family, your blood flow.
1: that came from Wednesday night. I hope to see you here. And, uh, and, uh, and we're so excited. And by the way, unbelievable job guys today. Don't forget next week's the crave token. We want to all kind of be on that journey together. And uh, listen, I hope to see you on Wednesday. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. We'll see you next time.